welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kitchens. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian and virtual nutrition mentor. I was raised on an Angus cattle farm, grew up with a lot of GI issues, and used the power of plant-based eating to promote healing. Here, you'll find inspiration, ideas, and encouragement for your own plant-based journey. I'm so thrilled you're here today. Let's get started. Welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. My name is Ashley. I'm so thankful you're here today. I don't know about you, but where I am in North Carolina, Durham, North Carolina, it is starting to get chillier and chillier. So when I'm taking Lena out, my, my sweet doggo, for our walks, I'm having to bundle up more and more. So wherever you are, especially if it's getting colder, I hope you are staying warm. All right. So today's guest, y'all, I will be honest, I could not wait to have a conversation with today's guest. And part of the reason is is she owns what I would say, I'm going to go out on a limb and claim this year, the most popular vegan restaurant in the Raleigh-Durham area. So for you who are local, you're like, oh, I know who that is. It is the Fiction Kitchen. So they are in the downtown Raleigh Arts and Warehouse District. And y'all, they opened in 2013, proudly boasting the title of the Capital City's only 100% vegan and vegetarian restaurant. And she goes all into how, you know, there were some pushback, some questions and hesitation, because you can imagine they're coming up on their 10 year anniversary in January of 2023, that they were ahead of their time. And so there was some like questions like, what are you doing? Are you sure? But she talks all about how they started, what they did before they opened the restaurant and goes into detail about the restaurant. It's such Mm -hmm. a beautiful, beautiful story. And I cannot wait for you to tune in. So now they are obviously so happy that more plant-based friendly restaurants have opened. Their mission originally was to bring thoughtful, creative, and approachable vegetarian cuisine prepared with the freshest seasonal and locally sourced ingredients to their guests. And that is still intact today. They do such a remarkable job of it. Recognized for its diverse menu, local beers, thoughtful wine selection, and signature cocktails, the Fiction Kitchen is perhaps best known for treating omnivores to a satisfying, often mind-blowing, and I will attest to that, introduction to vegetarian cuisine. The knowledgeable and attentive staff takes pride in providing great customer service, which they really do, and catering to a variety of dietary needs. The intimate, lively dining area blends a sense of familiar comfort with an exciting, ever-changing artist's palette of sound and vision. Chef Caroline Morrison, who is on the show today, is a North Carolina native who discovered her passion for cooking partly out of frustration from being vegetarian in the South. If y'all grew up in the South, you know what that is like. And she talks all about like what she was raised on and how she transitioned to a more plant-forward way of eating. She knew there was an abundance of produce within the region, but dining options seemed lackluster, cursory, and often made from canned or frozen products. This really propelled her to earn her culinary degree and begin experimenting with pop-up events hosted with partner co-owner. Together, they opened the Fiction Kitchen in January 2013. So again, 10 years coming up, which is really exciting. Caroline and the Fiction Kitchen team are thrilled to bring their innovative, delicious cuisine to the triangle while doing their part to support community initiatives, local economy, and philanthropic causes. 
And of course, they want you to take part in the local food revolution at the Fiction Kitchen. Please join me in welcoming Caroline Morrison and the story of how the Fiction Kitchen came to be. Welcome to the show, Caroline. Hi, thank you. We are really thrilled to have you and to get a little bit of a background on Fiction Kitchen. But before we get into all the details there um, and talk more about your restaurant, can you just give us a little bit of background on yourself and who you are and what you do? Yes, I'd love to. Um, So I'm Caroline Morrison. I'm the chef and owner at Fiction Kitchen, and I own the Fiction Kitchen with my wife, Siobhan who is the general manager, creative director, I'll say. We've been married for 13, 14 years. When I met her, she was a a wedding cake decorator in Greensboro. So we had a love of culinary arts together. But even prior to that, I was born in Halifax County, so um, North Carolina, um, Roanoke Rapids. That's where my mom and father's family is from. And uh, my dad's a Methodist minister, so we moved every four years. So there was a lot of changes, lots of changes. And I would say in like demographics, it was all kind of Eastern North Carolina. So I grew up going to like small, like mom and pop restaurants dad would take me to. Um, I actually grew up like eating fat back biscuits and um, ham hocks and the green beans and like pig pickings all the time. Yep. Um, Good old Southern staples, cornbread cooked with bacon grease. And as I got older and I went to college, you know, I just started looking at my food differently and actually like looking at my food and I'm like, oh my God, this chicken has like tendons, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I just decided Hey, you know, I think at first I gave up chicken and then gave up pork. It was hard for me to give up steak because I really liked steak, the flavor. Um, but I just didn't want to participate in the harming of animals in that way anymore. So that's what led me down the road to becoming vegetarian at that time. And then what I found was I started missing some of that stuff. Well, for flavor and texture, but also just for nostalgia, Mm -hmm. like at Thanksgiving with the family, you know, you know, my aunt or uncle or even mom and dad really didn't understand. Sometimes it'd be like, oh, well, only, you know, it's only got chicken stock in it. You can have that. So that's what made me started cooking, actually, because ah. there was like no understanding of the way that I wanted to eat and why. So it came down to the fact that I needed to cook for myself. And my mom, admittedly, was never a good home cook. So she taught me the basics, like what a teaspoon and tablespoon was. But, you know, she tried to make like this caramel. And every time she made the caramel, the texture would be different. She just had no clue why. Or she would try to make biscuits and they were hard as hockey bucks. We could never eat them. So she's astounded that I can do these things. I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what started me cooking. And then... Um, At that time, I started having dinner parties and my friends were like, wow, like you can really cook. And I was really, you know, and I was um, and my first job was actually at Chick-fil-A in high school. Okay, yep. Um, So I started in fast food um, and I worked at Wendy's in college and then I worked in restaurants and coffee shops. And I really liked the idea. It was something about the service industry, something about the busyness of it, the customer interaction, especially being a barista. I worked off and on at Cup of Joe in Raleigh through college. 
and loved having to use multiple handles and think about like, how can I do this quicker? How can I do this more efficiently? And knowing I probably had like 80% of the customer bases uh, drinks memorized. Wow. It was, we do that at Cup of Joe. That's what you did. And, yeah. and it's funny, some of the customers that knew me at Cup of Joe are customers of me now at the restaurant. So oh, wow. that's been a good transition too. Yeah. That's the segue into me starting to cook. But the long story short was I actually went to school for social work. And um, so I was doing that. And then I just, I missed being in the service industry. Mm-hmm. And I actually landed a job at IBM. And I was working on the help desk there as like a team lead manager and was not happy at all. Did not want to go back to social work. And mm-hmm. I was like, I miss cooking. Like, so I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to culinary school. And I went to culinary school when I was 29, started culinary school and went to Wake Tech uh, down the street and learned so much and was just like, this is where I want to be. It's the first time, uh, first time ever. I just soaked up school. Yeah. Everything about it. And I was a vegetarian then too. And what the, what the chef instructors allowed me to do was prove that I could do that cooking process first with the meat product, but then I wanted to show and play with that as a vegetarian or vegan dish. And they actually allowed me to do that and were impressed with what we came up with. And they were they were very supportive and really helped me see that I was in the right place. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, it sounds like you walked in and you felt like, wow, this is what I meant to do. Like there was just like this purpose that or passion that unfolded. A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was like, I'm sorry I'm a late bloomer, but at the <laughs> same time, I think that social work. And being in with a corporation for a long time really helped me gain some leadership skills that I needed to have to yeah. be a business owner, mm-hmm. to be a head chef. Yeah. yeah. And I would imagine when you went to culinary school, this was like before veganism, plant-based eating was like really big. hundred yeah. percent. So were people um, like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. They, they were, you know, there was, there was, what is your career path going to be? Cause you're going to have to work with me. You can't, there's no hundred, there was no hundred percent vegetarian restaurant mm-hmm. in Raleigh at the time or vegan restaurant, irregardless used to be way back in the day. Talk about being way ahead of your time. Yeah. But they had a small fire in the kitchen. And after that, they, they went to add um, kosher, other kosher things on um, other than plant-based but yeah, um, they were like, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to maybe go to Asheville work, you know, because there was a couple places in Asheville. So I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. But first I had to work in places where I had to work with me. So, you know, what, what I did to get through that was, you know, I have to learn this process. And I wanted to work at places who, if they were going to work with me used whole products and thought about the usage of that product well. Mm-hmm. So it's also important to me, even in plant-based, like we use all of our mushrooms, like the stems, every part of it. We don't want like anything to go to waste. Yeah. Yeah. But that's one of many things that people appreciate about Fiction Kitchen is like the sustainability aspect too of really yeah. trying to use everything possible. 
like, how did you transition from being in school, maybe working in some kitchens to like, well, I'm going to, I'm not going to, or did you end up going to Asheville or what kind of ended up I didn't, there? Uh, what ended up happening was I, I worked at like three different places. I mean, I think that year I had like 12 W-2s on my taxes. Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> it was something insane trying yep. to decide, you know, I was working so many different jobs. Oh, I also worked for the soybean council for a little while, going around telling people how to work with tempeh and tofu around North Carolina. Again, go to different 4-H places and make them hummus, edamame hummus. Um, That was a lot of fun. That's amazing. And again, before soy and tempeh and tofu were really even, people really knew about them. Yeah. uh, and, And going to rural parts of North Carolina. It was a, uh, it was a lot of fun. People would eat that. And mom, I was like, oh, this is not that bad. Yeah. You know? <laughs> After school and, and working a few places, um, one of our friends, Chef Charlay, she was doing these vegan pop-up brunches at the Pinhook. She recognized it was basically just for her friends because she had many vegetarian vegan friends and they were saying, we can't, we have nowhere to go eat and we won't a place to go eat. And Shirley, being the amazing person she is, created this event. And she was going to move and reached out to Siobhan and I, because she knew what I was doing on the side and said, hey, would you like to take over this? And I was like, mm, okay, sure. I just had 12 W-2s last year. I, I can handle one more thing. What's one more? Yep. What's one more thing? But what we saw this as is an opportunity to test our food, to test my food, to test my skills, to test recipes. Um, so one of the places I was working, Mez and, and RTP, let me borrow their kitchen um, on Sunday mornings before the brunch. So we would drive to Durham, pack everything up in my element, cook, and then go to the pen hook and set up on a pool table wow. and feed about 130 people sometimes. Oh my gosh. And can you started with like 30 people? And by the last few brunches, the line was like wrapped around the block. Oh my goodness. And can you describe what the pinhook is for people who aren't familiar with Durham? Oh yeah. The pinhook is a great, um, queer safe, uh, community. Uh, it's a bar, but it's also, um, they, they have bands. Um, they have a great sound system. They've been, um, involved in the Durham community longer than fiction has been open now. So I want to say almost 15 years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a great little, great little venue. So you took over this Sunday brunch thing and it sounds like people just really took to it. Like people, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like it just became huge. So how, I mean, how was that? Did you think like, well, now what are we going to do? Like, obviously there's a demand for what you're providing. Oh, yeah. We, I mean, we, we figured out like sustainability figure. We bought all these plastic plates that we would wash over and over again. And we had like these containers that we had to get a storage unit to hold all this stuff in. And finally we were like, we, we got something here. I think we have something here and we cannot physically do this just ourselves anymore and make it viable, like health wise. (laughs) And for reference, this was over 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be this would be about 12 years ago now. Wow. So again, I mean, before 13. plant-based eating, veganism was like just blowing up like it is now. Well, and the Durham community, uh, I mean, it it's just such a loving place. And um, for the most part, Raleigh as well, although it's a little more 
spread out, but, um, you know, and I went to high school in Durham. So also I had some connections there, but I lived in Raleigh. So um, I think it was a good place for us to be at the same time. The Durham community just supports like grassroots efforts, you know? Yeah. And so after doing this, one of my friends, um, Liz, owned a place called The Borough in Raleigh, and she knew what we were doing. And we were in the middle of writing a business plan. I also went to entrepreneurial school at Lake Tech to write a business plan. So wow. I was writing a business plan while we were doing these brunches. And uh, Liz contacted me and said, hey, I know you're not quite ready for a place, but I know a place for rent down street on Dawson Street. And it has a grease trap, so <clears throat> it might be a good starting place. So we went and looked at it and there was this music venue right beside it called, um, called Deep South. So Siobhan and I had never been to Deep South, but we went in to have a beer and just to see what people thought, see what the neighborhood was like. And honestly, there was like tumbleweeds around the warehouse district during this time. It was it was really off the beaten path for downtown Durham and the rent was really good, but it was just a shell of a place. We had a yeah. lot to do, yeah. but we signed the lease and we started to work. Oh my gosh. So are you still doing the brunches as you're transitioning to this as well? Or what was that like? We stopped the brunches while we were doing this. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But we were both working at, um, I was a, one of the chefs for SAS and building C and I was doing something called the chef's table where I had to make like hundred portions of a meat dish and a hundred portions of the same dish, but vegan huh. for lunch, but w- which I really, really enjoyed that challenge because yeah. that's, that's kind of what I do. Right. So I was like another place where I could test out my recipes and they, SAS had a, a on-site garden and I still to still to this day, Maggie, who was the gardener at that time, is, is a friend of mine. So I made so many connections, resources with local produce. I order a lot of things from a company called UNFI, which is United Natu- Natural Foods. And I got introduced to that company from them. So it was hard to be doing all that. But at the same time, it was really good part of my learning process. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah. And we had some built-in customers who, once they found out we signed the lease, you know, we still have people who were working in that building who had my food for lunch who are now our customers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you sign this lease and then what kind of unfolds from there? Because opening a restaurant, I mean, that's a huge undertaking. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, open in any business, but a restaurant that has seats where you have guests and you also have employees and your concept is farm to fork, which is all, was also a little bit before the farm to fork movement. Yeah. I was like, how are we going to do all this? And what are people going to expect? And, and to back that up with opinion as a vegetarian restaurant at the time, yeah, not even like people we were trying to get a loan from understood what we were talking about. And not even the health department understood that we only needed one sink. You know, wow. we just needed yeah. a produce sink. They're like, well, what about the fish? Where are you going to put the, you know? And I'm like, no, we're, it's not pescatarian. We're not having fish. And they were like, how are you going to survive? You know? Oh, I, yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. Were there, were there quite a few kind of just doubters, questioners, like, are you sure you know what you're doing? Oh yeah. Yeah. But I will say we were loud and we were, we were trying to get our name out there and we did a Kickstarter just backing up on our, you know, days of the brunches. And we had, we were still doing the brunches at that time. So when we started the Kickstarter, and so we had a friend come and video and interview different people who are at the brunch. And we were trying to raise money to get new equipment because um, I didn't want to buy used equipment to go in the space. So <clears throat> we ended up raising enough money to buy all new like equipment to cook on wow. for the space, thanks to the community support. Wow. Which was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was I was kind of curious to ask that of like what the community's response was to you. I mean, moving into Raleigh and opening up this business. I I mean, I think there was curiosity. There was uh, you know uh, questioning curiosity, and and also just you know still to this day, some people. And this is a small a small sect of people. I think have this like well, I'm not going to pay seventeen dollars for a plate of vegetables. Yep. You know, something's going to have to have died for me to pay that. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, I think in the end, when they saw what we were doing, and I still remember like opening in January and seeing people like, because if you've been to fiction, you know, we have no waiting area. Right. So I still just remember I'm I'm having to be saute cook and run the, run everything while I'm saute cook, not understanding how busy we were going to be. Yeah. <laughs> that floored me looking out and seeing people just like looking in the windows and like their cold breaths breathing on the window. And I'm like, I'm trying to get you in as quick as I can. I promise. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think because we were small when we opened, that was beneficial. So it didn't look like, like a huge empty restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. So we were small and busy all the time. I mean, we got a lot of press opening, you know, a lot of visits from different places and people were really curious. And what we wanted to tell people is we're just, we're just making good food over here. We weren't trying to preach about being any way this way or that way. I just want to put a good plate of food in front of you. Yeah. yeah. And then after you eat it, you go, wow, I just ate a vegetarian now vegan meal. And not think about that while you're eating it, but then maybe after in reflection, if you had any doubts, then those doubts will be silenced. Oh yeah. You just know you just had good food, you know? Yep. Yes. I do know very well. And for you (laughs) listening who have have been to Fiction Kitchen, you know as well. And for you who haven't, and maybe you're thinking about visiting, I highly recommend it because you do, you walk away and you're like, that was so good. And you feel good afterwards too. Like it's just wholesome, delicious. Oh, ingredients. I cannot recommend it enough. Yeah. Thank you. What What is kind of your customer demographic? Is it mostly vegans, plant-based eaters? Do non-vegans come in? Oh, it's so hard to tell, but I really don't think so. Um, I think it's um, just like with with age and race and it's just as diverse. Um, it's just a really diverse restaurant customer base. And that's also one thing I love about it. It's not just social work that has made me want to present a business that is inclusive and safe and a safe space for everyone. It's, it's my whole bringing up. It's the way my family thinks and it's the way I want to present my business. 
and that we are a welcoming safe space for anyone who wants to enjoy a really good meal. Yeah. And ultimately, I think that approach has done what we wanted it to do, which to create that diverse customer base. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just think it's like cross the board diverse. Yeah. And you can feel that when you walk in, you can tell that, wow, okay, I am meant to be here. Like you just feel welcomed immediately. I mean, it's such an eclectic space and there's different pieces of art on the wall and everyone is, you know, having a good time. Cause how can you not, when you're eating delicious vegan mm-hmm. food, um, you know, there's vibrant colors outside. So you can't miss it when you drive past. Like there's just that's, so many that's great, for sure. <laughs> great things about it. Yep. <laughs> um, but for those who don't know, or aren't maybe familiar or aren't from the area, how would you categorize, categorize your cuisine now? And how has that evolved over time too, in the past 10 years? Yeah, I think, um, you know, ultimately when we first opened, I think my Southern born self was allowing itself like, oh my gosh, I just made vegan barbecue that tastes just like Eastern North Carolina barbecue. And I'm in love with it and everybody needs to try it. But I think when I opened it was more about recreate a lot of recreating that nostalgia for me. And you found that in my cooking a lot. And I think as we've progressed in learning the growing seasons and what is great to be grown here in North Carolina, I see where that lends itself to Asian um, cuisine, as well as Indian (laughs) and Mexican food. And so you'll find a smattering of those different cuisines now on our menu. I've had the, um, the joy of going to India twice and Indian food is, is a passion of mine. So I do really like to try to cook um, with Indian spices a lot across the board, how different cultures have different, like say different rice dishes, but it's the same concept or different donuts, but it's the same concept or different hand pies, but it's different, but it's still a hand pie. Finding those similarities with cultures and food have really, really been fun for me. So I think that that's the progression of the food of fiction kitchen and where I'm at now trying to diversify the menu a bit in that way. Yeah. Yep. And how has that changed kind of over time too? Cause at one time you started out as a vegetarian restaurant and then oh yeah, more recently have gone fully vegan. So what was that like? Was there much pushback? How did that happen? Um, there hasn't been much pushback at all. How it happened was we decided one to stop brunches. Well, and COVID had something to do with that, but you know, brunches were really hard on us and we wanted to keep them just because that's how we started. But at the same time, um, as, as you learned at the beginning, while we were talking, we don't have a walk-in cooler. We don't have a walk-in freezer. So it was really hard for us to turn around after a busy weekend and do a brunch menu yeah, and have space for all that. And it was hard on the employees as well. So with COVID, we're like, let's just not do brunches anymore. Let's revisit that um, later and let's take that out. And while we're doing that, because we offered eggs and different cheeses and it was kind of hard to source eggs that I felt we wanted to use. So let's just go ahead and, you know, make that move to fully vegan. Um, It would give us more space in the cooler. We wouldn't have to worry about any cross contact. Number one, it helped consolidate our menu 
And number two, it just, it enabled us to be more free thinking in our cooking yeah, and not have to be like, well, we have to offer this vegan, this vegetarian, you know what? It's just all vegan. Yep. And we can do it just as well. I think also opening, we felt like the word vegan was scary to a lot more people than the word vegetarian was. Yep. I don't know why, but I do know that that's true still. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Vegetarian just seems a little less daunting maybe for some people than vegan where it's like, wait, you don't eat any animal products. And so I could see that. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah. How did, how did COVID go for you all? How did you kind of manage to, to get through all that? Oh, it was hard. It was really hard Yeah, um, to keep employees with some type of income and fed and to try to take care of your family, the business. And, you know, it, it was hard. Yeah. So but uh, that, that again is where I really believe that, um, had I not had a social work degree or, or studied that and had not been in business, it would have been even harder because I was able to put back on hats that I'd worn previously and say, okay, this is how I apply for this loan. This is how I apply for this grant and do that mainly myself as a chef and owner and go and research different grants. Um, with the assistance of other chef owners in the area, we kind of like started a loose alliance and we'd all be like, Oh, did you hear about this program? Did you hear about this program? This is how you go apply. And um, it was nonstop computer work, which I (laughs) was not used to anymore. I'm just like, I want to be in the kitchen. I want to be in the kitchen. But yeah, you had to be like, you had to apply for this loan at this time. You had to be online at, eight o'clock, you had so much you had to do with the unemployment. Um, you know, it was a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm tired just even thinking about it. I'm sure and it's, it's so nice to be like in the kitchen again with a team being able to cook. Yeah. Yep. Well, if you don't mind transitioning to kind of some like rapid fire fun questions that I, yeah. I threw at you. <laughs> What is the most popular item on your menu? If, if you know that off the top of your head. Yes, I do. It's the chicken and waffles. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> and when, what's your favorite item on the menu right now? I think my favorite item on the menu right now, really maybe the lettuce wraps and the smoked potatoes. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Also the black chickpeas, <laughs> but, but Yeah. That's what I'm going to go with free. Yeah. Nice. I mean, it's hard to narrow it down because there are a lot of good things. So yes, yes. Yep. But the hoisin tofu on the lettuce wraps, I mean, I just snack on that all day. Yeah. So it's just our marinated tofu that we roast in our hoisin sauce. And I literally walk by and just pop those in my mouth all the time. So nice. Awesome. Yep. Do you have a favorite thing about opening or about running fiction? I think my favorite thing about running fiction is uh, our guest um, and just seeing that diversity that, that, you know, we talked about and seeing um, we've seen some guests who've brought their kids and, you know, grown up or now in college, seeing that um, that's been really fantastic. And then, you know, employees, the teaching aspect, which I feel like 
I realized my joy for that more after COVID when I'm when we have a staff now, a full staff that we've been able to do more recipe development and teach people like the basics of what some cooking aspects are and seeing them grow and start to use those things that they've learned along the way. Yeah. So yeah. a great joy of mine. I'm sure. I'm sure it's so neat to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about the community a little bit too. So we'll transition to that. But with being a vegan restaurant now, is there, do you feel like you have a responsibility to the community for being one of the only vegan restaurants? Because more, more coming along, but in Raleigh Durham, there really aren't that many. What I feel like the responsibility is, is to prove that vegan food is not boring and that you don't have to be a vegan to enjoy vegan food. Mm. And to some people that it's not all about the faux meats. But faux meats can be fun and still eating everything in moderation is probably the way to go. Smattering your diet with different colors. But I think the number one thing is to, you know, is to show that eating vegan can be fun and exciting. And I think that's the most important thing for us to do for the community. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it can still be delicious. It can still be incredibly satisfying. And I think you said it so beautifully too. You don't have to be vegan to enjoy delicious vegan food. Right. Yeah. I know if there's one restaurant I could take my family to who they're mostly plant-based at this point. I mean, I've taken them to fiction several times and it's because like it just showcases how incredible vegan food can be. So yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. In 2023, is there anything that you're looking forward to or anything that we can kind of expect from y'all going into the new year? Yes, we will be moving. Yes. So throughout COVID, we realized we really need an outdoor space, especially if another pandemic comes about. Also, people enjoy eating outside in in North Carolina, and we have weather for that. We had been searching for a space that would have outdoor dining. We also really need a walk-in cooler. So we had nowhere to really put one at our space we're at now. So I've been busy looking for a space and we have found that space, which will be announced soon. It's a complete build out. So we will be in our current space for a little bit of time yet. Okay. Oh, I'm um, looking forward hoping, to that. Hoping that that will be no like closure during that transition, but yeah, it's a lot to, to deal with. So we we might end up like having to close for like a month or something um, at some point while we're moving our equip some of our equipment over there. Okay, is the hope to move in 2023 as well? Yes. Wow, that's exciting. Well, I know that- maybe the end of it. Yes. Sure. Yes, if all, goes, if all goes as planned. If all goes as planned. And there will be um, some menu additions with that move because it's going to allow us to have a little more space. Yeah. We'll be able to do more takeout. We'll be able to do more production of our desserts so that people can order those more freely, um, which we do some whole cakes right now, especially the cheesecakes, but not as much as we would like. Yeah. Um, so, um, and we also sell our barbecue by the pound, which we'll be able to do more of that as well. Nice. Yep. Speaking of cheesecake, that the peanut butter mm-hmm. pretzel chocolate one, I can't remember which, what it's called, but that one is so good. That one will make a comeback sometime soon. Right now it's pumpkin. Okay. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, 
delicious. Awesome. All right. Well, if people want to visit Fiction Kitchen, whether they're local or whether they're coming from out of town, which I I think a lot of people listening here will drive for vegan food or drive <laughs> for vegan restaurants so or travel for vegan food. Um, so highly recommend doing that if you aren't in the area. But how do you recommend them doing that? Like, do they need to make a reservation, just show up, check social media? How would they go about that? Well, I would check social media just to make sure there's no special clo- closures, especially if it's around a, like Christmas or holiday time. Um, usually we try to post if something's going to happen or if our hours were changed, but you never know when <laughs> these days, sometimes you just have to make a decision about things. Um, but we do recommend making reservations. We fill up pretty quickly, especially on the weekend. Um, that's also a change since COVID. So for people who remember the days of having to walk by, put your name on a wait list and, and waiting two hours to eat. Yep. That's no longer a thing. Yay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So if you make a reservation, then you're sure to get a table at that time. Uh, just make sure if you look for table or bar, because we do take reservations for both. And um, we are open Wednesday through Saturday right now from 430 to nine o'clock. And if you don't see a table at the time you're looking, just try to change that like 15 minutes for or after, and it'll search that different time for you. Yep. Perfect. You know, most people still want to eat between the times of like 630 and eight. So those, those get packed pretty quickly because we don't have many tables. (laughs) Yep. Yes. Yeah. It is a smaller space. I'm excited to see y'all in your new space, but I think that's great advice is checking social media and planning ahead in advance. Like don't just, you know, make a reservation the day of try to look a few days before you're making your plans. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, where is the best place for people to connect with Fiction Kitchen, whether it's online or obviously visiting is a must, but other than that, (laughs) where's the best place for them to do that? We do have an Instagram and Facebook presence. If you just search on the Fiction Kitchen, um, there you can see some pictures of our food. Usually I post weekly our specials, which change. Um, We try to do a farmer's plate and a soup and a local horse salad every week that changes. So if you follow us there, you'll be able to see those. And then also through our Instagram and Facebook, you can link to our website and that's where you can make the reservations as well as you can do online ordering during our business hours or business days. Yep. Okay. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, highly recommend. I can't say it enough to go check out Fiction Kitchen. It really is a remarkable space and you can go now before they move and then you'll be able to go after they move and you'll get to see both locations, which is a special treat. So Caroline, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your background story. I know so many people, especially in the community, will just really appreciate hearing this. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in today and we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.